What's up, guys? Welcome to another episode of the Modern Day Sniper Podcast. You got Phil Vallejo here, one of your hosts, and you are watching or listening to episode 84. And in this episode, Kalen and I sit down after a long hiatus, and instead of talking about shooting, we are now talking about the future of the Marine Corps Scout Sniper community. And if you're unfamiliar of what's going on in the Scout Sniper community, to sum it up, the Scout Sniper platoons in the infantry are directed to turn into Scout platoons and the 0317 MOS will go away. The only snipers will be produced at the new Reconnaissance Sniper Course, also known as RSC, or the MARSOC Advanced Sniper Course, also known as MASK. Throughout the episode, Kaylin and I talk about what it really means to be a Scout Sniper in the infantry. We talk about some of the leadership failures and we share our opinions of why we feel like the Scout Sniper community is going down this road. We also discuss some of the misconceptions about the Scout Sniper community and the pipeline of you know what it takes to get to sniper school or become a sniper. If you're listening to this as a sniper, the opinions that Kaylin and I share might not be very popular opinions. Just know that they come from a good place and we love the community. There would be no modern day sniper without the scout sniper community. So just know that at the end of the day, whether the Marine Corps designates these Marines as scouts, as snipers, as designated marksmen, the modern day sniper team will always be prepared to train the next generation of warfighters in the art of precision or long range shooting, regardless of the title. And we will always be prepared to deliver that in the best and most efficient way that we possibly can. So without further ado, we hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Thanks for listening. And lastly, you guys know the drill. Keep your face on the gun. Dude, it's been, it has been far too long. How have you been? I've been good. Uh, it started snowing in Cody again. And so we've been hunkered down for the weekend and then some, but uh, yeah, it's been a good winter. It's been uh, very productive and um, very interesting winter thus far. Yeah. Well, I'm talking to you like I haven't talked to you forever. No, we talk all the time. We just haven't podcasted in a while. Um, undergoing a lot of a lot of transformations, I think, this winter. That's a really good. That's a good way of looking at it. Maybe is transformation because, you know, I I got to the point where, um it took so much effort and energy to, uh, to film in the space. And then it became super cold and the shop just was not set up to do any type of recording, nothing like what you see here. And it was like, all right, I have to, I have to just completely gut this whole thing and get it out and, and start from scratch. And I mean, you, you were a lot of inspiration for that with your home studio too. And, it was a ton of fun and I got a chance to do uh, a bunch of different woodworking skills. I built my own, re my own reloading bench. So I, I thought that was cool, but it was definitely a transformative process of saying, okay, like now we're going to, we're going to intentionally build this space with, with, you know, guidelines and specifications to get it to do what I needed to do. And I think it was really cool. And I wasn't, it, it was just a struggle to, to make anything happen for whatever reason. So it was like, I had to do it f for my own psychological needs, I guess you could say 
but now that it's done, man, I'm super, I'm super pumped for, uh, for all of the ideas that we have to come to fruition. And, um, I remember talking with you, it was like, we hadn't podcasted in a while. And, um, and, and Cass asked me the same thing. She was just like, why, why, why haven't you guys been podcasting? And it was, I think it was like this energetic thing where I didn't really have much to say about shooting at that point in time. And there was a lot of heavy energy going around in the community about, um, you know, the, the unknown future of our heritage from the military side of the house. And that's like a lot of people's identities, right? So there's a lot to, there's a lot to unpack there. And there's a lot of people that are, um, you know, super up in arms about that. And then, you know, also taking people through the journey of the rifleman, the first three months of that, it was a, just a different focus. And, um, I'm glad to be back though. I, I'm, I'm glad because, we, we're going to do things a little bit differently going forward with the podcast. And I'm excited about that. Yeah. Uh, before we jumped on this, I know we talked about like, what are we going to talk about? You know, and, and it's like, do we want to do something shooting related? And uh, one of the things I feel like nowadays I shouldn't say it's oversaturated, but like everyone is just talking about it. It's just like shooting, right? Like everyone's take on how to shoot better, how to be more efficient. And I feel like at this point, there has to be a bunch of episodes from everyone in the precision rifle space that talk about, you know, why squaring up is beneficial to, you know, your fundamentals of marksmanship. And, and the, the audience is just hearing the same thing s- said in 12 different ways. And um, in a lot of, I feel like a lot of what we've covered in our podcasts, like I, I, I guess I haven't thought about one topic that we haven't covered in the podcast or that we haven't just covered in general that I'm like, uh, that's kind of gatekeepers. I, I feel like I've said everything I have said in terms of what I can give to a student, you know, cause like one of our, our goals as instructors is uh, Duffy said it best is for a student to not need us anymore. Right. Like when, when you come to class, like I want you to not need me anymore. The reality of it is like, yes, four days is a lot of information, but I feel like if you listen to our podcast, starting from the beginning, when we roll into our basic fundamentals after our brief history of who we are and like what the modern day cyber podcast is, like we talk about everything that we cover in our in-person classes. Right. And so I think by going back and listening to it over and over again, by, you know, listening to an episode, going out and practically applying it versus just consuming all this knowledge and then tagging us and be like, man, you, knowledge bomb, like knowledge, you know, knowledge bomb drop or whatever, you know, it's, it's, and I appreciate it, but like you would do me a better favor by actually going out and doing what I'm telling you and then reporting back after you hear a podcast versus just like stewing on the information, right. And not doing anything about it. And so I said that to all, I said like, I think we're not going to talk about shooting 
in this podcast. As, as our, <laughs> I don't as think our, we're going to talk. I don't want to talk our, about shooting. As our first podcast back in X amount of, you know, months. So Yeah, it's a that's a great thing, too, because um, there's so much more to being a, a rifleman than shooting, right? There's so many more aspects of that. And, you know, you could look at it and go all the way back to the, you know, the colonial times and say, well, you know, what was the first American sport? Well, being a rifleman, that was the first sport. You know, that's what people did as a pastime. You know, they hunted for their food and they used their firearms in defense of their property and ultimately their nation. And so that's the first sport and being, being, uh, being an exceptional rifleman was something that people, you know, held in, in reverence, you know, that was a big deal. So, you know, that's where all those phrases come from, you know, be aware of the man who only owns one rifle. He probably knows how to use it. And, uh, Michael Bachelieri actually had a great, uh, a great point on that. He had a guy, he told me about a guy that he had in class and he was a, a rancher from one of the provinces in uh, Northern, I don't know if it was Alberta, um, or BC, one of those two, but this guy was a cattle rancher and he showed up to a class that, um, Mike was teaching with Rob Furlong and the guy showed up with this rifle and I think it was a 243, he said. And, uh, the way that Michael tells the story is like, this dude had no no concept of mills. It, he had, he said, um, the way that he described him calling wind was something like, um, you know, Brett and Grant, the way that they call wind. It was, you know, he didn't know anything about mills or minutes or any of that shit. He was just like, ah, it looks about this. And he goes, this guy purportedly says that he's killed like over 10,000 coyotes with this rifle. And he's just been, he's like, he goes, this is the only rifle I own. And it, it was, it was either a 243 or a 223, one of the two. Um, but still, nonetheless, I mean, that that's that whole adage, that dude was a rifleman and he used his rifle um, to protect his, to protect his property from predators because ranching is his life, is his livelihood, right? So now we look at it as a sport and, you know, um, even as a sport, it's like it, it grows and it morphs and it changes. The focus gets uh, put different places and um, obviously it evolves, but along the other, there's other parts of it that I think need to be addressed. And that's just like being a, a overall rifleman. Like, what does that even mean? And so it goes into some of the things that we're talking about in like the journey of the rifleman and like, where the, where the concept from that came from, that was born of the same thing, right? We were both like, dude, I don't want to do it the same way again for two, you know, for the third year in a row. Like we have to evolve this process. We have to, we have to do something different because you're not going to solve problems using the same thought process. You know, the problems are going to get more complex and therefore your thought process has to get more complex as, as things grow and evolve. Right. So just doing it from that perspective, um, you know, the journey of the rifleman side of the house and focusing on all the other aspects of it, uh, which is, you know, the mental side of the house, the headspace, um, where are you at? Are you being present? And what else is going on in your life? 
that um, either you need to identify and focus on and get handled before you can have the capacity to do something else and be fully present, like go play with rifle sports. Um, it's a whole, it's a total holistic approach. And then, you know, you wrap that up and then we go, Oh, okay. Then the Marine Corps is, is making some decisions that, um, that not a lot of people are happy about and in removing an organic asset and a lot of the commentary that, that I've heard, and I've tried to remain really, I don't want to say neutral. Like I have my own opinions on it, but I want to make sure that I'm and I'm looking at it from the most pragmatic approach possible, right? As it, as objectively as possible without being very emotional about it, because I think there's been a lot of an emotional response surrounding that stuff. And I know we'll talk about it, but um, it just solidified that it's all a whole thing because there were aspects of the sniper's craft that were not being addressed purportedly, right? And those, those skills falling to the wayside because there's too much emphasis on shooting. And with, you know, I've said it before, right? In, in the world of sniping, shooting is only 10% of your job. But when you need to use that 10%, it becomes 100% of your purpose. Much like many other aspects in areas of the military as you're, as you get more specialized in your focus. Um, you know, um, you, we were talking about, uh, the Sean Ryan show, right. And, um, you know, the episodes that he's had on and that whole Jack of all trades aspect. I've been listening to a couple of the guys on there that are, uh, from the unit from Delta, from Delta and just listening to their philosophies, listening to the way that they think, listening to um, the training pipeline and talking to those whom I've known who, but I haven't really asked them directly about, you know, um, what the training pipeline was like. I didn't want to get into like the whole war stories thing, but the way that this information is being presented is, I, I feel as though that it's pretty authentic. And so those guys do everything. They do everything. Shooting is just shooting is just a means to an end, right? Shooting is, is the way to eliminate targets, but you actually have to identify the target. You got to be able to identify a plan, right? To get to that target. Then you have to rehearse that plan. You have all these different skills that go into the execution of that plan, but at the very culminating aspect of it, is shooting in a large, in, in, in a lot of times, right. Especially during the, the GWAT, um, or it was, you know, some sort of snatch and snatch and grab type operation. So those guys had to be very, you know, focused on so many different areas just to get to work. Um, that then shooting is just like, it's a skill that needs to be maintained and it needs to be elevated to the highest degree but there's so many more things that you have to focus on in order for you to use that skill. And I think that that's like where we kind of got that block where you're just like, dude, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't want to talk about shooting right now. I want to talk about other things that, um, and I don't know if it's burnout. It was just like, we got to do something different. Uh, very unpopular opinion, uh, within our community <laughs> is, you know, like, what makes a good sniper, right? 
And one of my very first, I mean, my mentors in this scout sniper community, um, Abernathy, like when you break down the scout sniper definition, the first two words, a Marine, right? A Marine nobody likes skilled. to hear that. Nobody likes to hear that one. They're like, fuck that's bullshit. Fuck and, that. And, um, you know, what does that, what does that entail? Those first two words is like, like being a Marine first and understanding that whole concept. And I'm not saying like you need to be getting high and tights and, and like knowing drill, like the back of your hand, but you need to be proficient enough to where, you know, being able to do those simple tasks of being a Marine is going to highlight so many different aspects in terms of your leadership or like your leadership watching you. Right. Cause like at the end of the day, when I look back at like why I was a successful chief scout or t scout cyber team leader, you know, they didn't see me on the range shooting or, or like, you know, going in and getting 28 out of 35 on my quals. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they had a brief, like, synopsis when they came to, to training to see how I was training my Marines, but how we were able to let them know we were doing what we were supposed to be doing was the simple shit, showing up to formation on time, uh, making sure that we weren't standing out uh, in just a regular camp Horno area looking like a bag of ass, right? Because the very first thing when you get yoked up by a staff and CEO is like, who you with? You know what I mean? And um, again, unpopular opinion because again, the some of disgruntled people was like, why should I be worrying about drill when I need to be worried about marksmanship or you know doing my job better? It's like honestly, if you have that mentality, you probably suck at doing your job. Period, right? Because you hear about there's really good garrison marines, and you hear about field marines, and I get it. There, there were in that retrospect, but I think when I peel back the layers of some of the most successful snipers, and I ask them, you know, of like what made you successful as a sniper, you know, guys that are out now, it's like they were a marine first. Not only that, like another thing when you break down what the MOS code for 03703, and this is something that I didn't really grasp until I went to team, uh, 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 infantry uh, squad leaders course um, because I was a stay baby. I actually just had this whole like trip down memory lane a few posts ago where, you know, I, again, when I reflect back, like I didn't really... I didn't feel like I, I came out of my shell as like a really good sniper until I understood how the infantry worked, you know, and, and I didn't get that as a stay baby. I, I, yeah, I understood how like snipers worked and, you know, like the radios and, you know, being point man, all the, all the, like the, the, the planning process, you know, and I could teach younger Marines that came into the platoon, how that all worked and how we operated. But then when we got to our objective, I didn't know what the fuck I was looking for because I, I didn't know how the infantry worked as a young Lance Corporal, right? And so until I went to 
infantry squad leaders course as a corporal, man, my eyes like really opened up and I'm like, wow, this is now how I can employ myself effectively as a team leader to help support the infantry, the guys that are going to the X, because ultimately like, yeah, scout snipers, you're an infantryman, but you're support at the same time. Like, unless you, unless you are the 0311 on the X, everyone is just support of that guy. Yep. And that there's a lot of people that, that lose focus of that, man. And I think it's easy to, you know, it's, and I, this just comes with maturity. I think it just, it comes with maturity. It comes with being able to look at things from a different perspective. Um, it definitely helps to have, um, combat experience doing that duty. Um, and it doesn't necessarily mean like, you know, you're getting in gunfights every day. That's not what that means. What it means is there's a, you just, of course, approach everything differently when you know that there's people out there that are trying to kill you and that that's all they want to do, right? So if every combat mission in, a, in every mission in a combat zone is a combat mission, regardless if a trigger was pressed or not, right? So um, I think that we also have to maintain focus of that as well. And there are so many lessons that are learned from those experiences and just being combat missions and saying, Hey man, yeah, we tried to do this and there was, that was not going to work. Like we need to try something different. Um, so in that context, yeah, it, everything has to evolve. It, it all has to be in a constant state of evolution and I think getting like driven into a box, um, you, you start to lose focus of like what you really, what you are. And that's, you are an infantryman, like you are an infantryman, whether you like it or not, because if you don't like it, then you probably shouldn't be in the infantry. Right. And, and the other thing that's interesting too, is like a lot of dudes want to do this, the specialized stuff and it like listening to listening to these these guys talk about their experiences at this you know ultimately high like you're at the literally the tip of the spear even when you pass selection and assessment you go straight into OTC and at OTC the guys were like hey we literally like learned how to shoot from square one like as if nobody had ever touched a rifle before ever. And the reason that they do that is they want you to learn the way that they want you to learn and they're going to treat everybody the same. Right. And so everything about what those guys do is ultimately at its core foundational level. They are infantrymen. They're just fucking really good at what they do as infantrymen, you know, and they're craftsmen they're, they're, they're not just focused on one thing. They have to be, they have to have their blinders off in, in complete, uh, absorption, right? They got to absorb everything. Um, and I think that's super important. And, and you, and you have units like that where dudes are there because they have that, that goal, that focus. They're like, Hey, I just want to be the absolute best dude that I can be and contribute to this goal and contribute to this mission. And this is what I bring to the table. 
and I think it's really easy for, for the younger, younger generations, myself included to get lost in that and, and like lose focus of like, Hey man, what are you really supposed to be here to do? You're supposed to be here to be creative. You're supposed to be here to, um, be open to trying new things and learning new ways of employment. And part of it is, is accepting the fact that you are part of a military organization and sometimes the, the situations and the decisions that are made, you don't agree with. Well, that happens everywhere, right? And it's not just in the military. It happens everywhere. Um, because you're dealing with human beings, you're dealing with humans that have their own focus, their own agenda, their own interpretation of the information that they're gathering. And so, and they're basing their decisions off of that, just like we would, right? Just like we would in a competition based upon the conditions that we're seeing, um, and the situations that we're being presented with. So sometimes shit is just not going to go your way. Right. And so a lot of times, like uh, I've been looking at the situation, like with the scout sniper program going away. Um, I don't know, man, like part of me is like, Hey, maybe this is a good thing in the long run because, you know, from the ashes, the Phoenix will rise. And what I mean by that is like, Hey, maybe this thing had to get burned down to the ground, scorched earth and just like eliminated because, maybe somebody just looked at it and said, you know what, man, this is going to be the best way to kind of like get rid of this, this one particular thought process or this one particular mentality. And then somebody wants to build it into their own vision, right? Guess what, dude, you're part of an organization. You're part of the, you're part of the military. They can do that. That's like, that's the way it works. So you got to look at it in with a different perspective. And that's just, that's what I've been trying to do is go, okay, like what's the grand scheme here? What's the overall goal? And, um, you know, what is the, what does it really mean trying to do it objectively as if like, I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to be able to sit in front of a general officer and just have a conversation like, I don't give a shit that you're a general, like who cares? You're just a dude, right? Having a conversation with another dude, both of which are equally passionate about what they're talking of. And like, really, where's your headspace at? Because I want I want you to learn where my headspace is at. So that way we can be more rel- related, right? And have, um, more cross-pollination of ideas and concepts. And I think there's leaders out there that are like that. I think that they're just very few and far between. Um, but I think that that would always be cool, right? So that's why I'm trying to frame my response to the situation, I guess the public response, right? Based upon if if I were able to have that conversation with that general officer, you know, who wasn't wearing his stars, proverbially, right? So I don't know. It's, um, it is emotional, but at the same time, it's like, okay, like, let's try to figure out like where things went sideways and, um, and learn from it because it'll come back. We just have to make sure that we learn from the, that we just have to make sure that we learn from the past and apply it and not let it go back to the way it was. You know, so think back to when you were, like getting ready to deploy and uh, 
what were you, what evaluations do you remember your platoon going through that was like, you know, those like CACs, right? Uh, CAC stands for combined arms effects. I know it's probably been changed a million times since then, since we were in. Um, but, you know, I think it was Mojave Viper 2 at one point. But essentially it's uh, before you would deploy to a combat zone, you would go to 29 Palms and you would do like a culminating exercise for the battalion to get signed off by um, the, uh, what group is it out there? Uh, is it is it the MAGTAF? Yeah, I think that's what it is. Um, the, I don't there, know. It's, there's coyotes, right? Um, um, yeah, they're... They're the, they're like the, uh, they're the evaluators. Yeah. And so who are also other Marines, right? You know, sometimes those Marines, like they get fapped out there or they're actually assigned there because of their, um, pedigree. Um, but you know, so I remember, uh, you know, like range 400, that's a very popular one where, uh, 400 series, and for snipers for that specific event, you know, we're graded on our ability to, uh, I'd say, control fires as a as a as a priority of, and soften up the area, and B as a you know secondary is actually provide precision fires because they do have some pop up targets, you know, for the like fifty cal and and you know that was really cool because you were able to like learn how to mask fifty cal fire with you know, indirect, indirect fire, uh, you know, as long as you controlled, um, you know, both those and it's like, how do you, how do you like train for that? Right. Because I think when I, what, like, again, when I remember, like, I, I don't remember, like, you're not training for that specific event, you're training for combat in general, but these I are basic infantry skills. Yeah. These, these are basic, are exactly. Basic infantry skills, company size attacks. Yeah battalion size attacks, combined arms, the use of combined arms, it's what makes the Marine Corps what it is, right? And so like everybody, I get it's hard to communicate that to to it's hard to communicate that to a young infantryman, <clears throat> pardon me, and like truly get them to understand it the way that, you know, it's been I mean, I haven't been a Marine for the last 25 years, but I was an infantry Marine. Right. And I've stayed focused on understanding what it means to be a soldier, right? Uh, an infantryman. And um, you have to have this, you, you, you have to have this big picture understanding in order for you to best support your, your, your mission. Right. So, I mean, you look at everything from even back in, we learned these lessons in World War II, right? So the use of, the use of, the the ability to have a, a forward observer observing enemy movements and coordinating uh combined arms to uh utilize speed surprise and violence of action to execute basic infantry attacks like that's what snipers are used for and you engage your targets you're going to engage targets with precision fires in support of those operations if like if your if your position allows it, you know you might be best supporting that infantry attack. You know you might be outside of effective range, right? 
It just depends on the situation. And we have to understand that, that that's what we do. Like we're, we're there to collect and report information and to be force multipliers on the battlefield. And if you get to shoot, you get to shoot. You don't always get to shoot. And I think that's the, the part that's kind of lost, you know, um, not understanding the, the gravity of like how much more effectiveness you could be, you could provide a unit with, uh, good, uh, information reporting, um, understanding how to properly and effectively, you know, do a route recon, uh, or, um, all of these different reports that, you know, as you're going through these exercises that you take the time to refine your processes, right. Of like, again, how do I say this? Like not just doing like this typical, you know, I say salute report, size, activity, location, like, you know, size three people, right. Like actually making that into an actionable item, for, you know, company commanders, battalion commanders to be able to like, okay, I can, I can base off of this information that I'm receiving from snipers. Now I have to change my whole scheme maneuver, or I change a part of my scheme maneuver, but like, oh, well, snipers are just telling me stuff that Intel just told me or S2 just told me. So there's really no change. Right. And that's the, I mean, with, especially with the, I guess, new technology of like drones, which is a whole nother scary thought. Right. But nothing replaces, you know, dudes on the ground, in my opinion. There's, there's just, you're, you're right. And I, and I agree with you. You know who I, I want to bring up though? Um, uh, Christopher Rance, right. From CR2, his light fighter manifesto. Right. Um, Chris is a craftsman, right? He, he is, he is mastering as many aspects of the craft as, as he can to be the, the most, um, the most important asset to his, to his organization. And so that's where that craftiness, that's where that mischievousness, that's where that, um, that, uh, that field craft aspect of being a sniper has to burn inside of you, man. You got to want to go do that shit. Right. I mean, if all you want to do is carry a rifle, well, dude, you might be best off over in the infantry. You know what I mean? Like, so, and that brings us to another, another point, right? So one of the main focuses or one of the main reasons was the ability now to, um, elevate the, elevate the marksmanship standard for the Marine Corps infantry. And from what I understand, I was talking to, uh, I was talking to Matt Castilney about it. And he was telling me that the new, the new, the new rifle call for the Marine Corps is encapsulates everything. All I believe he said it's as close as 25 meters, right? So they're doing close contact stuff, um, or not necessarily close contact, but you know, 25 meter line type stuff. And he said that the, he said that the scoring is insanely difficult. He said, it's actually not an easy course of fire to, to shoot well on. And, um, they're holding people to tighter accuracy standards and they're doing it more with, um, with more combat aspects of shooting in terms of like, um, hit value, 
based upon where your bullet is impacting the target, right? So upper thoracic cavity has a specific value, right? A CNS or a headshot has a specific value. And so um, it's not just necessarily specifically accuracy focused, like getting, like getting very hyper um, uh, focused on like a bullseye or something. And I asked him, I said, well, like we all, you and I both know that if we're just training people to shoot at blobs like crazy Ivans, you know, as an example, um, that's like machine gunner mentality, right? We're just, we're just going to put these bullets kind of as a spray, right? Across that, in that beaten zone. That can happen when we're teaching people to just shoot at a crazy Ivan target without teaching them to actually pick a spot to aim at, right? So, he said, no, 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 that's the reason why this, this high value scoring system is what it is because that incentivizes people to aim more precisely because they know that, that if the bullet goes there, they're going to have a higher point value and it's going to be a more lethal shot on the target. And I was like, all right, man, well, that's, um, that's cool. To, that's cool to hear, you know, um, well, love to see how that actually pans out. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sure there's going to be skeptics out there. They're like, ah, that's, that's bullshit or whatever. Cause there's always that. But I think that it's a step in the right direction. And then if you have somebody that is, you know, um, a capable, a capable marksman, I mean, let's think about it, man. Where did snipers originate from? Snipers originated from dudes who knew how to shoot that were in the platoon and they were like, Hey dude, you can shoot, give him the scoped rifle. Right. And Oh, by the way, you're, you know, a country boy from fucking Alabama that, you know, shot squirrels as a kid to fucking feed your family. Yeah. Give him the rifle. Cause he knows that dude knows what's up. And, and that's how that shit went down. Like that's how people got selected to do what we do because not only could they shoot well, but it was also an intrinsic, there were intrinsic qualities that came with somebody that knew how to shoot well, right? They were a woodsman. They were, they were excellent at field craft. They were probably a, an excellent hunter uh, or a successful hunter. Um, and so there's many skills that come with that proficiency with marksmanship, right? And so, you know, there's, you have highly advanced weapon systems now that are getting put in the hands of, of infantrymen with much better aiming capabilities. And I can see, I'm not saying that I agree with it because all you guys are going to freak out and say that I'm agreeing with this. I'm not agreeing with this. I'm trying to see it from a different point of view and say, okay, like, where is that thought process coming from? Well, if you have, if you have Marines that are really, really focused on marksmanship and you're giving them a weapon system that they're capable of being very precise with, and that weapon system is precise or more precise than an M16 A4 from like fucking 15 years ago, there might be an enhanced capability there. I, I don't know because the data doesn't show yet, but these are the conversations that are happening. And that's part of the reason why we're having this big fracture of the official scout sniper program because conversations like that are happening. It's funny that you talk about data, you know, uh, I, I, I'm still looking for 
a bunch of this data that I collected while I was the marketing instructor at the schoolhouse, which was essentially taking the known distance course of fire that all the students would go through and plugging in whether they hit that shot or not, right? Because it's 35 shots, the same exact sequence, three stationary, two movers, the three, five, and six, three stationary, two stop and goes, three stationary, two bobbers at the seven and eight, and then all stationary at the nine and thousand. And I, I know the, you know, I, I'm, I'm sure the curriculum has changed uh, since then, um, but I know the, the Marines are still qualifying out to a thousand yards. I mean, I'm, hopefully I'm not shooting myself in the foot by saying that right now. But it's, anyways, when I finally collected that data and I looked at it, I started to ask myself and ask the question like, okay, the marksmanship standard right now is 80%, which is 80% of, you know, the amount of rounds that you take in. But where does that 80% come from, Right. And then how now the question is like, what do we actually determine quote unquote effective range of a rifle system, right? When, when, you know, you look at a pub and this is one of the things that like, you know, when young, young pigs are like super proud of when they know their like definitions and they're like, you know, they know their knowledge, like what's the max effective range of a M48-5? thousand yards, sir. <laughs> it's like, okay, well now you're a Sergeant of the Marine Corps a scout cyber instructor, is it really a thousand yards? Like what, what makes that rifle effective out to a thousand yards, especially this is way after, you know, Brian Litz had, had uh, published his book, Applied Ballistics for Long Range Shooting. And, you know, he had his WES data out there. And, you know, we at First Mar Div packaged up this whole presentation of like, Hey, this is what the numbers actually show. What like what a what a student that is going on the same range for three weeks straight. And if they're going on their three weeks straight, like they they have to at least know what that wind current is gonna do, right? But at no point does thirty-two students ever achieve over a forty percent impact, even after five shots. At a thousand, at a thousand yards, right? And you can't tell me that that is the lack thereof a, a shooter's ability to read wind or their shooting capability. Like, no, homie. Like, that is, and 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 so the where I feel like we shot ourselves in the foot, you know, call it gatekeeping, is like, well, why did we continue to keep the standard out to a thousand yards, right? Like. You know, it's like, is it that that whole like, oh well, Marines did it in 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 the past for me, or we did it with the urinal, you know? So it's like, okay, yeah, you did, but my question to you is like, can you recreate that same qualification ten days in a row? If I gave you ten days to shoot an average, right? right. Would you be able to create an eighty percent average at that range? That's a great question. We, we had that conversation with, um, uh, we had that law enforcement sniper skills clinic and we had, um, four guys come up from Quantico to take the course. And we had some pretty 
serious conversations about that. Cause I mean, I sat, I sat down with those guys and just the same kind of conversation that I would have with that, uh, you know, that four-star general that I want to have and try to have a conversation about it without any, you know, aspects of ego and say, Hey man, have you like, have you ever really like looked at the numbers and seen really what, what you're asking people to do? And is it really practical? And then you have to then ask yourself, like at any point in time, when you did really qualify, did you really do that with intention or did you just fucking get lucky a couple of times, you know? And sometimes that is what it is, man. Because when I told those guys like 600 yards, they were like, okay, tell like, what, tell me more. Like, well, from many perspectives, okay. Um, just look at wind as an example, just pure wind with a 175 grain match King going 2,650 feet a second. There's 10 inches of drift every mile an hour at a thousand yards. So a 20 inch wide target, you're telling me that I got to get that wind better than a mile an hour. And you and I both know that that's fucking ridiculous. Like you're not going to be able to do that on demand in a new environment that you just showed up on. And now you have a commander that's thinking that like, Hey man, I've, I've actually, I might be able to, um, you know, get these guys to create a cone of security for me. Who knows what the commander's thought process is, but he might have it in his mind. And I'm saying this because I've been that dude that's trying to (laughs) you know, the young guy that's trying to tell a captain, Hey, sir, it doesn't work that way. You know, I don't know what else to tell you. Um, but he might think that he has this false sense of security when the reality of it is, is maybe the proficiency level of that shooter is maybe 600 yards and in, you know, and he knows that he, that, that he knows that what I shoot at, I'm going to fucking hit it, not hope that I hit it, not wonder if I've got to launch a couple into space and get that wind call, right? Like that doesn't work in every scenario. It does work in some, but it doesn't work in every scenario, right? But I'm pretty sure that 600 yards and in with a guy that can read wind down to at least five miles an hour on a man-sized target, he's going to hit that thing with an ample amount of training, right? And so then there becomes like, hey, 600 yards is like is that reasonable? Is that reasonable to say like, we're going to have like an upwards of an 80 to 90% first round hit ratio, maybe even 90 to hundred percent, who knows, but that should be where our thought process is. And then we also got to look at like the danger space of that projectile, right? What about what, what happens if my range is off? You're right. We got these weapon mounted lasers. Okay. Well, there's, those things are not always going to work. Um, there's laser detection technology out there that's killing people in Ukraine, right? So that using a laser might not always be permissive. So therein lies, okay, well, now we have to start establishing ranges via drones, or we have to start establishing ranges via map. We have to start establishing ranges just by like general target reference points and say, hey, that road intersection is right about 420 yards. Okay. So now I have multiple targets that are in the vicinity of that, um, 
of that target reference point. What is my danger space with that cartridge with that 175 gra- grain match king, right? If a target pops out, you know, maybe uh, maybe the situation and the scenario is like targets are moving rearward to gain defilade, right? And so they're bounding back 60, 70, 80 yards so they can gain some defilade and start maneuvering on your position, right? So that guy has to have enough experience to see that and not have to worry about like using some fucking formula to figure out like how far are those dudes? No, it should be intuitive shooting. It should be enough training and enough experience that that is that's intuitive shooting. And if you can't make that happen in that type of scenario, then you're like, oh, okay, well, where's my deficiencies at? Well, my deficiencies are, well, maybe my fucking cartridge just sucks and I need an updated cartridge that's going to buy me some more danger space, give me better wind performance and have the same terminal effects, if not better, right? So there's all these things that we got to start looking at if we're going to be leaders and start building curriculum and saying, this is how I think it should be done. Not a dude that that hasn't shot a rifle, you know, and and truly understands like what is capable of the rifle in today's world and not held on to the fact that this is what I did to gain this hog's tooth. Fuck that. Who gives a shit? Like fuck everything about that. That is, that is keeping things in a a stunted, retarded period of growth. And that's where, that's my feeling on it. Like it has to be, we have to be able to evolve and grow. And, and I think that this might be what is necessary for that growth and evolution to occur. You know, it's another interesting thing that I think should be talked about is continuity and understanding some of the misconceptions with regard to, uh, leadership in cyber communities. So let's talk about the officer level first. Um, so uh, at the officer level, um, typically, at least when I was going through, and I, I, I'm not sure if it was the same for you in, during your time frame, but um, during my uh, six years at 1-4, uh, um, out of the like seven platoon commanders that we did have that cycled through, uh, only one of them was an 0302. Uh, every uh, one of them was a 0203. The other, the other six, which 0203 is an intel officer. And after the scout sniper platoon, after being a, in charge of a sniper platoon, that 0203 never sees any type of infantry ever again. Right. Where in combat, you are employed, yes, you are employed by your 0203, but when you're in direct support of the battalion or the um, company, you are now employed by a company commander or battalion commander who is an infantry officer. So there, that is where leadership for us starts to fall apart with regard to at the officer level. But now let's talk about the enlisted level. And I think another misconception about being a scout sniper in the Marine Corps is that like guys are going to be like Tom Berenger and be a fucking 
master guns. No, come on. Master sniper. People right? still think that shit. So one of the things that like you always hear within our community, guys like jumping ship once they pick up staff because like they're no longer going to be able to operate. That's true. I mean, I, there's a lot of guys that I love that are like that are just straight studs that, you know, like they were meant to be on uh, a high level operating team, right? Uh, because of their technical proficiency, their ability to perform on demand, their physical capability. Um, but the sniper school or the sniper program was just a stepping stone for that. So what happens is when you pick up staff sergeant at, well, first off, when you pick up, when you become a scout sniper, that doesn't become your primary MOS. I'm sure we've said this in our podcast before, but I'm just for, for newer listeners, because I'm sure this, we're going to make this title clickbaity as shit. <laughs> and uh, so for new listeners that don't understand, like being a scout sniper, like it's not something that you can immediately, like you can't talk to your recruiter and tell them like, oh, I want a pipeline to become a scout sniper. That's not that, that, how this works, right? But, you know, before uh, just a few months ago when they, dis or the Hispanic snipers, before you go to sniper school and you pick up the 0317 MOS, which 0317 is the MOS designator for scout sniper. But it is now a secondary MOS to your primary. So again, I'm an 0311 by trade. Kalen is an 0351. The Marine Corps sees us, if him and I were st both still in, primarily as a 0311 or a 0351. But now, since both of us picked up staff before we got out, we were now identified, if we were just looking at like a spreadsheet, as 0369s, which was an infantry unit leader. So at this point, even though that Kalen and I both have scout sniper backgrounds, Someone that doesn't know shit about fuck about our community could just look at a spreadsheet and see Vallejo 0369, Wojcik 0369. Oh, I need a platoon sergeant for a, a mortar platoon in 38. Oh, I need a platoon sergeant for cap platoon in 11. Oh, these guys are up for orders. Let me send these guys this way. Um, and so that is the reality of like being a scout sniper in the big, big Marine Corps. And then, so people will ask like, well, why the fuck would you ever do that? <laughs> well, because people like us love the craft of being a sniper. And we also love trying to keep some type of continuity and leadership because we know that, Hey, at some point, yes, we'll maybe get back to, or we're taking a gamble and getting back to a scout sniper platoon. But we also know that like, you know, there's guys out there that like, want to see this scout sniper community succeed and try to get back into the community after the schoolhouse or whatever the case is. And that's honestly like, you know, our, our, our veteran, there's not too many scout snipers in the community that were able to stay all the way up to gunny, you know, Hughes is the first one that comes to in top of my well, head. Right. Well, I, you bring up great points. And the other part of that too is, um, you're gambling, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're gambling. However, you are, you are responsible for your own career path. And I was told that by my mentors early on in my career when, um, when I was just like, when I was like, yeah, I'm probably going to stay, I'm, I'm going to stick around. Right. And I'm, so in order for me to stick around, I needed to learn how the system worked. And so 
I learned very quickly that it's important for you to build good relationships that are around, you know, trust and like vulnerability in a certain sense, like with people that are going to help you get what you want to get on your career path. Right. So, you know, there's a, you know, there's a reason that you're friends with your monitor, right? And the, in the Marine Corps, the monitor, each, each job, each occupational specialty has a monitor. And that's one dude that sits at headquarters Marine Corps and, and he just does manpower. He's like, Hey, I need, I have open boat spaces here. And I, like Philip was saying, I need to take those, I need to fill those boat spaces. And all I'm just looking at is a number right now, as you get longer in the tooth in your career, the monitor and you are going to have a better relationship. Are you always going to get what you want? Maybe not. But if you're proactive about your career, you do have some control over it. So, um, now you just have to make sure that you have good advocates in your favor and having good advocates does not mean walking around the fucking battalion command post in a black hoodie sweatshirt with lightning bolt SS's up and down the sleeves. That's not how we, uh, that's not how we do that. Right. So there's certain aspects of this that we have to also address is just like straight up maturity. Right. And so once you learn that you're like, Oh, okay. So, all right. Like I did that. I did that when I went to three, one, when I left sniper school, like I was like, Hmm, you know what? I'm going, I'm going to the force selection. My ultimate goal was to go to the unit. Like that's truly what my ultimate goal was in, in being a Marine. I wanted to go, I wanted to go to CAG. And so I was like, all right, well, the easiest way for me to do that um, at that time with the knowledge that I had was to go to the force reconnaissance community. Right. So I was going to go from this. I was going to go from sniper school over to force recon and from force recon, I was going to, you know, do time at force recon to gain experience. And I really just wanted to be a dude. I just really wanted to be, um, I didn't want to have any leadership responsibilities at that point. I was a young enough dude that I was like, man, I want to just, I want to learn how to be the best possible member of a team that I can. So I was kind of looking forward to that. But 3-1, 3rd Battalion, 1st Marines said, hey, we need, we really need a chief sniper. And so my sergeant major or the sergeant major of that battalion, I told him, I said, this is what my goals are. And so if I come, if I come do this deployment with you, are you going to help me get to this goal? And I said, because I don't want to do a full, I don't want to do a full three-year commitment to an infantry battalion when I'm about ready to become a, a staff non-commissioned officer, right? Like, I don't want to do this anymore. I want to go do other things. And Sergeant Major Sachs looked at me and said, if that's what you want to do, then I'm going to help you do it. You come and you take this platoon on this combat deployment and you be my chief sniper and I will, I will help you achieve that goal. I'll let you go. You don't have to do two deployments. Now that doesn't always happen that way. That doesn't always happen that way. And was I fortunate in that situation? Sure. Sergeant Major Sachs was a fucking huge hard ass for a lot of years. Right. And then 
we as, and he did not like snipers. He thought that we were a bunch of punks. And by just being good Marines, right? We were like, he shifted his point of view on what we were. And then by him shifting that view and looking at us through a different lens, he then could see what we were capable of if we were able to flourish, right? So this is all like, it's all a kaleidoscope, man. Everybody's looking at things from a different perspective. And I think it's important that we all have to see that. And we all think our way is the right way. Um, I've had a lot of good conversations with um, a lot of people that are in leadership roles surrounding like what, what the deal is. And I'm trying to get as many perspectives as possible. Um, you know, my man, Mick, you know, he's super passionate about it and, you know, he has his opinion. Um, Gunnar Castellani, you know, he's very passionate about it. He has his opinion as well. Um, and you know, there's, there's other folks out there that have differing opinions from those guys. Right. And, and it's important. And, and there are also dudes that have been around for a long time. Most of the people that I've spoken with that have been around for a long time, like that are my peers, um, it, like from my generation, that is, they all have the same point of view. They're like, look, dude, this was, this was coming. This was, this was on its way. And everybody could see the writing on the wall that occupied this, you know, this level of leadership. And so, you know, then there's the conversation, well, you know, we try to tell you, you didn't listen. She's like, yeah, okay, well, I get that. But list, getting people to listen is all about delivery. You and I both know that from being teachers. Getting people to listen is not cramming it down their fucking throats. Getting people to listen means becoming engaged with them, right? And looking at them from the student's perspective, if you will right? Instead of talking at them, you're talking with them, you're asking them questions, right? I'm not saying that like the infantry has to be all soft and cushy because it doesn't, it has to be full of fucking people that are willing to do, you know, savage levels of fucking violence, right? At a moment's notice. However, there's a certain aspect of that, that we have to look at and say, okay, well, in order for me to understand how this human over here works, like I have to learn some shit about myself first, Right. And, and that's, I think, important for us to see different perspectives. And so from this point of view, man, I think that like my perspective is that it's, you know, I, I, people are going to fucking hate me for this, but it's okay. Um, I think that, I think that it needed to burn in order for it to like get past where it was coming into roadblocks with, you know, I think, um, I think it had to given the current evolution of warfare and the current evolution of, um, of the battle space and what technology is out there. Um, I mean, there's drone technology out there that, that is, that makes anything that is, um, there's, there's drone technology that can see things now that would make humans completely non-permissible on the battlefield. Right. So, um, and it's not thermal, right? So it's like, there's things out there that are existing that, you know, you're only going to understand and comprehend if you're at that higher level of leadership and you're going to, you know, going to conferences and war games and seeing those things from that point of view. So, 
you know, I think that, um, I don't think it's going to go away. I think it's going to come back in a different form. And I think that's what everybody's terrified of. I think everybody that's terrified and I think everybody that's pissed off about it is, is terrified about, you know, like there's some identity, there's some identity stuff that's wrapped up in that. Um, and even for me, you know, but at the end of the day, it's just like, Hey, well, it is what it is. I can either sit here and stomp my feet and, and, uh, kick and scream, or I can look at it and go, okay, what are the lessons that, what are the lessons that are, that are supposed to be learned from this? One of the things that I've been kind of wrestling with the last few months as we've heard these news and, and trying to like voice my opinion about like what I think about it. Cause you know, people have been hitting me up like, what are your thoughts on the Scout Cyber community going away? Like obviously my initial thoughts, like it's bullshit. Right. But, but then, you know, again, you peel back the layers of, of, I think everything that went wrong, not just what you, you know, the sniper community as a whole did to it, but ultimately we were set up to fail with regard to the leadership, just the way that the sniper community 100%, man. is, 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 100%. is, is, uh, is structured as you will. Right. Um, and, and, and being completely misunderstood. Um, but I, I think what I've been wrestling with the last few weeks and one thing I wanted, would wanted to ask you is, okay, you're listening to this podcast as a, maybe a, a brand new young sniper. Like you literally just got the MOS, a class or two ago, or you are a upcoming Marine that is looking to become a scout sniper or become a scout, whatever, what advice would we give them? Would I give them is what I've been thinking of like to like, to stay prepared. Right. Cause at the end of the day, that's all you can do. Right. Because as history repeats itself, it's so it's only a matter of time before we come back. Right. Yeah. I, I, I that's a great question, dude. And it's, um, it's a tough one. It, like it's a tough, tough one to answer from the, 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 the pill swallow aspect of it. But I think that it bears, I think that it bears a lot of, um, a lot of reality. So, you know, you look at, um, I'll take somebody that I respect quite a bit. Um, and that's, and that's Cody, you know, I, you know, I have a lot of respect for him because Cody's like a soldier's soldier. He's understood. He understands multiple aspects of warfare and he understands how to employ so many different skills in those multiple aspects of warfare, right? So, you know, we want to be, if I hand a sniper, if I hand a sniper a 240 golf, it's like, motherfucker, run this. Like you're a fucking infantryman. Run this gun, figure out like, how do you use it? You know, how do you best employ that? Um, you know, I had a eye opening experience. I did, I did a, uh, a couple weeks with an ODA, uh, during my Iraq trip. And those dudes are, they assume that you have knowledge, right? They assume that, that you as a, as an E6 in the United States Marine Corps in, in the infantry understands how to operate or like even to set headspace and timing on a 50 cal one operation they were like hey man you're gonna you're gonna run the 50 how you feel about that you good and i'm like well i understand 
I'm not a machine gunner. I understand how it functions. I can make it work. I can make it run, but I'm not a machine gunner. And they're like, okay, cool. Let me give you a crash course. Right. And so, you know, learn how to use a 50 cal. And that was my responsibility for a couple of days doing operations with those guys. So you're not always going to be a fucking sniper. You know what I mean? Like you have to learn how to integrate yourself into different areas of being a soldier. And so like, for me, when I look at somebody like Cody, he represents that he has multiple skills. And not only that, he's got it from a leadership perspective on the command and control side of the house. Right. So, um, and then you look at somebody like, uh, like Mick, you know, he's been an infantry Marine for his entire career and he's a gunner. So now he has different, now he's looking at everything from a different point of view for, with a different lens. You know, a gunner's responsibility in the, in the infantry is to advise the battalion commander because the battalion commander that comes to that infantry unit is not guaranteed to be, guaranteed to be an infantry officer, right? So the gunner is there to advise that battalion commander on how to employ his weapon systems that are organic to his use. So like all of these things fit together, not saying that it's right or wrong, but we are, we have to learn how to integrate ourselves and, and, and to get back to the advice to the young dude that just graduated the school. It's like, Hey man, you have to look at yourself. You have to ask yourself, why am I, why am I here? What do I want to do? And what are my goals? Right? So if all you want to do is do four years in the Marine Corps and you wanted to, you know, you just wanted to be a sniper and and do four years, then fine, do four years and, and be on your way, whatever that is. But if you want to advance in your career, you have to look at yourself and say, okay, do I want to continue to be an, a basic infantryman? Because if I want to be a basic infantryman, even if I am in the sniper unit, or the sniper platoon, like, dude, you're going to have to face the music one day and you're going to understand that this, you're not always going to do this job forever. Right. So if you want to stay in the infantry, you got to make peace with that and say, okay, well, this is just a skill that I did for, for a few years. And I moved on into, um, other infantry skills, right. Whether I went to learn how to be uh, a machine gun, uh, a machine gunner or an assault man or whatever the case is, there's other aspects of the infantry that make it work. Now, if you are that dude that's just like, nah, man, like I want to use this as a stepping stone, right? I want to use this as a stepping stone to do more things. Well, then I would use this as your time and say, okay, man, I'm going to do this deployment um, or whatever, wherever you are in your rotational cycle, start looking at other aspects of being a Marine. Right. And so, or cross deck and go put on a different uniform and go be a green beret, um, or set yourself up to learn about other programs that are within special operations command, as well as USASOC, and then figure out how you want to go that route. Right. So you can do that. You either get out after your four years and go enlist in a different or uh, in a different service or you cross deck, whatever you got to do to get your goals accomplished. But understand that like, you're not, you're probably not going to be a sniper forever. You're not going to do that. Um, and do, do I think that that's a bad thing? Yeah. I think that if the, I think that, that the infantry itself should be treating the sniper program, like it treats battalion reconnaissance. 
that's how I think I, that's how I think if you want to keep snipers alive and well, um, and well supported, well understood and well led with competent leaders from the officer's corps, because that's where advocacy needs to happen. You need to have a solid officer corps as advocates to make that program what we would all want to see it be. But it has to be at it has to be at the same kind of structure as battalion recon. That's the only way I see it working. And and everybody's gonna scream. They're gonna be like, oh, the battalion's lose, you know, the battalion commander's losing his organic assets. It's like, well, okay. I mean, what are you gonna do with that shitty ass, you know, M40 spotting scope or whatever broke ass pieces spotting scope that you have? Like, come on, guys. Like, I get that. Like, I totally understand what you're com- where you're coming from with that point of the argument. But at the same time, this is where that whole phoenix from the ashes starts to take place. And it's just like, whoa, okay. All right, we did this. Now, how are we going to bring it back? Like, how are we going to evolve it into the next thing? Because it's coming back, right? And I would just hope that the way that it comes back it comes back in a, in an evolution of something different of, of maybe it is a, a battalion recon aspect or a battalion recon structure where there's a, there's a, a training platoon. That's all you do is you, you're in the training platoon, you're in the training pipeline. Um, and you go into the school and like even recon though, like you look at battalion recon, like, like that's, I mean, when I did my last, when I did my last Mew before, um, before I went and taught at the schoolhouse, we did all kinds of shit with the recon platoon. I mean, we did, we swam with them. We, we rode boats with them. We rode boats with our boat company. We did a lot of amphibious stuff and it was like, oh, okay, well, we're doing the same shit as those guys are. We're just carrying a, a scoped rifle, right? At the end of the day, we're doing the same shit those guys are doing, but we're carrying a scoped rifle. We're, we're doing the same missions. We're doing, we're, we're, we're utilizing the same comm gear and we're performing the same tasks, right? And there's snipers in the recon platoon too. Um, so I think that it's just gonna, I think it's gonna grow into something different. And, and we just have to be, we just have to be, you have to be okay with what that different is, right? You can, you have to be okay with it in order for you to, to like grow and go, okay, well, what do I learn from this? I know, fuck, this sucks. I actually got to learn something. Damn it. My, My wife is really good at fucking helping me come to these realizations. Right. So it's like, no, man, you do, you have to sit there and go, all right, well, this just is changing, right? Okay, so what do we learn from it? What did you learn from it? What, I mean, like, what's your point of view on it? I, I think uh, what it, I think what it comes down to is just not enough advocacy for uh, the sniper programs, and at the same time, us shooting ourselves in the foot by like not policing our own and you know like adopting the the holistic you know be a marine concept right because 
I, I say that because I know there's a lot of officers. It's a hit or miss with officers. They either love you or they hate you. And I know that the officers that I was able to, um, you know, uh, have influence with, you know, one of the things they talked about, you know, I had a, uh, one of my old battalion commanders reach out to me through Chris Jones. They work together now. Uh, Chris was my gunner when I was at SOI. Uh, also a sniper, um, he shot me an email and he's like, he's like, you know, you set the bar for professionalism, you know, with regard to being a sniper and being an infantryman. And I, I felt like I didn't do anything crazy that deployment other than like be a Marine first and, you know, go to meet, go to, go to battalion formations or go to briefs looking like a professional. You know, like not looking like I was the sniper. You know, it, like we talk about blending in all the time. Like, why would you want to have a low reg and, you know, fucking dirty ass camis just so that you can get what clout for other Marines thinking that you're an operator? No, dude. <laughs> That's like, pretty much what it is, man. Like, it's a big ego thing. Yeah, I, and I get it. Like, I, I went through that phase sure, as a... we all I, do. I, I went through that young. And, and so... This is where, this is where, like, there's a lot of disconnect with regard to, like, like, training snipers, like, and this is why, this is, this is why modern day snipers, modern day sniper, so that snipers can train snipers. And one of the things that I realize in the world of long range shooting is that, you know, there's still sought out civilian instructors who are great instructors and great shooters. But at the end of the day, when it comes to mentoring snipers and helping snipers navigate, that's where, like, that was the purpose of why we created Modern Day Sniper, right? To, to, to help these young Marines that are becoming snipers, not just to teach them how to shoot better, because we can fucking do that, but also, like, at the end of the training day, peel back the layers and be like, hey, man, what's going to make us very successful tour as a scout sniper team leader or to be able to do what the fuck you want, man? Like, you just got to play the game, you know? Um, and, like, no one else can relate to that unless you've actually been in that dynamic. Yeah, and I think there's a point at which where it's just like, okay, man, well, if you want to bitch about it, then... Sure, get off the pot, homie. You know, go, go figure out another path in your career, right? Because, you know, if the only way that you're going to enact positive change, you're certainly not going to get it done by bitching, right? You're, you, you're going to have to get it done with very critical thought processes and articulation of your thoughts and ideas. And you have to be able to do that in a professional manner. Right. And so, right. That's where that, that's where it's like, okay, well you're just bitching to bitch or like, is there really, where's that passion inside? That's just got to get ignited. Right. That now I'm going to teach you how to do that. Right. So one of the things that I've been chatting about, um, with, uh, with Mick was like a snipers only podcast and, you know, hosted at modern day sniper monthly, um, 
and, and that's that's something that we're trying to we're trying to figure out how to best support you guys over there with the technology that we have and try to figure out like what that re- what that really is and we're we're almost there um but I would love to be able to have a um a podcast that's not it's more centered around like understanding all the aspects of the craft right like um I wanted Mick to come on and talk to talk to people about like in the Marine Corps, like, hey, what is a product quality deficiency report? Like, what is that? How do we how do we fill that out? Like, what do we use that for? How do we use it? Um, urgent universal needs statements and things like that. That like on the administrative side of the house, that if a younger dude that is like hungry and chomping and wants to try to make a difference, fuck, dude. I'm all about helping you. Here's your tools. Listen to this podcast where, you know, a, a retired gunner talks about how the system works and it'll probably stay the same for a long fucking time, right? Because the green machine's just going to keep churning as it goes. So like, that's what I wanted to do with that. And, and I think we're, we're like right there, ready to start bringing that to fruition. I've got a long list of people that I want to talk about from, you know, the administrative side of the house, the training side of the house, and then the leadership side of the house from an officer's perspective. Um, I've got some, some officers that I highly respect that volunteered to, or, or basically said yes, when I asked them if they would want to come on and talk about this stuff. And so, um, expect that to come in the future. But like, this is, this is something that I think having very educated, um, and spirited debate, right? People have to be able to, to have their, their thought processes and positions heard. Um, and it's important to see everything from that, from everybody's point of view. So that way we can come together and make, uh, whatever, whatever's coming down the pipe, we're going to have to just be smart about how you enact change, right? Kicking, like sitting there and, you know, stomping your hands and, you know, writing super emotional texts and emails and stuff is not going to get it done. Right. It's like, okay, well, this is what's been dealt. So now we got to, now we got to fix it. How are we going to fix it? So if it's even possible, right. So that's kind of what that's, I'm, I'm looking forward to bringing that to fruition because you know, you know, Mick, you know, Mick, he's, he's super spirited and, um, he's got, intense points of view that don't always resonate well with everybody. And I think that's very important. Um, you know, you can't live in an echo chamber and you know, the reality of it is, is, is if what Mick is saying is pissing you off, chances are it's not because Mick's just speaking the truth, man. Um, chances are you might have to be, you might have to do some looking in the mirror and ask yourself, well, well, that probably, that pisses me off because something that I'm not good with. Right. So like, I mean, it came down to it too, man. Like just as a, a sidebar, um, you remember when everybody was talking about, uh, mask, you know, uh, the dudes getting different hogs teeth at mask and the big thing where everybody's like, those, those fucking dudes don't rate hogs teeth. It's just like, okay, well, fuck man. I don't know if I agree with that. Bitch, you go out there and shoot, shoot those quals. You know what I mean? Like 
I guess it's like, it's not a right. I mean, at that point in time, it's just a rite of passage thing, you know, and, and you got to ask yourself too, is it like, is some of that mentality part of what is holding the growth of that, uh, the growth of that entity if there's, if it's holding it back. It's funny that you say that, you know, I, I would say, I would say 10 years ago, if I was, if, if I, 10 years ago, that would have been 24 year old Sergeant Vallejo, you know, pick, pick, pick for three years, like dedicated, like dedicated my life up to that point to the, to the craft of being a sniper. And, you know, I, 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 I mean, I, I held every billet up, uh, except platoon commander up until that point in my life. And, um, like I would be like, fuck no. Right. Just because of like, just being in just stubbornness and like they had, they had, they, 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 they wouldn't go through the same things I went through in order to get the title and, t- you know, 10 years later, civilian Phil Vallejo, like, and this also helped with a lot of mentorship from, from uh, Sullivan who unfortunately passed away, but like just understanding the, the like one team, one fight concept. And like, and not only that, like the guys that are in Marsoc, I mean, they would, they would run circles around indoctrinations right like the the amount of screening those guys go through just in order to you know pass uh ANS and all that all their all, all their all their pipeline and then to be able to get hand selected to go to mask which is already a pretty tight spot you know and then what they go through in mask like all the qualifications like dude you know it, 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 again like you said it's just gatekeeping at that point and that's what that's what that's what that's that mindset that has continued to start our growth as snipers and, and also thinking that, you know, we're the best shooters, like we produce the best shooters out of all the sniper programs, which, you know, uh, I would I would say that, like, when you look at all of other than, like, again, special operators, but like if you compare big army, big Marine Corps, I, I, I would double down and say I think the, the marshalship package that the sniper program, Marine Corps sniper program has is still far superior but when you look at like now talking about competitions talking about um the you know uh, uh sniper kind of kept fucking uh, international cyber comp right and you have units that are funding their teams to go to these competitions like yeah units don't get that funding back in back in the tune but it just goes to show that like just because you go through sniper school doesn't mean that now you're the greatest fucking marksman off the block like yeah if you put yeah, it's a- if you put skill wise like a brand new army sniper and brand new marine corps sniper i'd take a, a brand new marine corps sniper but if you tell me uh a sniper that's been through x amount of training packages right uh, versus a brand new Marine Corps scout sniper, dude, the dude that has proficiency and time behind the rifle wins all the time. You know what I mean? So like you have, you have to have that mindset. And again, I didn't have that mindset 10 years ago, 
Like, no, it, you gotta, yeah, you gotta grow, man. Yeah. And it's just part of it, dude. Yeah. It's just part of it. And, um, and I think that, uh, I think that this is going to, you know, it's going to invoke some really good conversations because we're, we're in this, we're in this age right now where we are just talking about it, right? Everybody's got a podcast. Um, and we're in this age where information is so easy to get to. It's so easy to get that really there's no excuse for us to not, um, put good information out that people can look at and go, okay, well, you know, this was a part of history. And so this is what those, this is what they did with that part of the history, right? They, they, you know, the, the people that really gave a shit were doing podcasts about it and they were talking about how they could invoke, invoke positive change in the future. And then like trying to tell people about it and say, Hey, like there's these dudes over here that have this point of view. And then there's these dudes over here that have this point of view. Right. And there's, um, you know, it's just like a pipe dream though, to get people to listen to it at the, at, at the echelons that need to listen to it, where that, that change can get enacted. Right. Cause this is that, you know, that age old thing where it's like, Hey, this is a huge ship to move, man. And you either need a lot of tugboats communicating effectively with very precise applications of power um, versus, you know, or you still steer the boat from the wheelhouse. All right. And, um, you know, <laughs> trying to get the boat steered from the wheelhouse seems to be the best option. That's why they, that's why they boat pilots out there that are, you know, that do that shit. Right. <clears throat> but I mean, it's a good thing. Um, it's a good thing we're talking about it. I think that we're going to have more conversations about this. I think it's, I think it's great. Like this was a great conversation, man. I thought that this was, a, um, a great way to kind of get re reinvigorated and back at it with the podcast thing. It's like just needed a different flavor and not always talking about shooting and, and how to manage recoil and all the things, right. It's there's, there's other parts to it. And so, um, hunting season's coming. Um, Luke wants to hunt this year. So, you know, there's different things and, and that's a whole other game in and of itself. Right. So, you know, there's, there's more parts of it. You know, that now that you've gone hunting, you're like, okay, shooting's just this shooting's just like, you know, this, I got to be able to find animals first. I got to be able to get there. I got to be able to figure out how to sustain there. And then I got to figure out after I get it killed, how do I get it out? All right. So it's a process in and of itself. And, um, and those are, those are cool skills. But, um, that's, I think, you know, what, that's what I would tell a young sniper is to pick up backcountry hunting. There you go. Yeah, man. That's, um, that was one of the interviews that I listened to on the Sean Ryan show. Um, Chris Van Zant's interview. And, you know, he's talking about, um, where he like tried to find peace for himself. And he's like, man, I, I find it in the backcountry because every part of it, every part of a trip to the backcountry is like planning a mission. And I've said that like about backcountry hunting since like, that's what turned me onto it. I was just like, Hey, like I can totally relate to this. Like, this is where I feel at home and this is where I can go back to. And, um, I'm super looking forward to it this year after all the fuckery that 
that was abound last year. I'm so much looking forward to getting some mountain time and um, kind of trying to, I got a shift now because if my boy wants to be in the mountains too, obviously there's not, he can't go on all the trips, but you know, he, he, he can, he can hike pretty well as long as he's not like super loaded down. But um, you know, like, like the trail that we went in on the blues, you know, that just to get him to, just to get him, you know, to the, to the spike camp, that would be totally doable. Right. And now think about that from like a 12 year old's perspective, you know, you look out at that, that shit and you're just like, Whoa, man. So giving him that experience would be super cool. Um, and so like, there's a lot of focus that needs to go into that. And, um, I'm looking forward to hunting this year, big time. So, uh, we got some really cool shit coming this year too, man. Like, I mean, uh, you guys are probably like, man, where the fuck did you guys go? Like, well, <laughs> we kind of went, kind of went inward a little bit and, um, we had to, we had to buckle down. We've had a lot of really, a lot of really good stuff happening. Uh, I think they know we brought Ryan on board. Ryan yep. Diagosino is a, a yep. brand new instructor. He's coming out to Wyoming here shortly. Uh, he's got, he's, he's heading up, um, a, a, a brand new scope carbine package for modern day sniper. And he's allowing us to get into the world of scope carbine. So we're ex super excited about that. I'm excited to, to take, I think one of the things we talked about is look at the curriculum that he developed for us. Uh, have me run through it you know we'll mm -hmm. do the, the 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 few days out here um you know at, at the uh the complex and you know i want to build a i want to build a gasser from scratch uh based off of that based off of what he you know what he provides and and take through that whole journey i think it'd be pretty cool um you know i have my basic understanding of a gas gun from again the the, the marine corps days of the m110 sas you know they're a lot harder to shoot than a bolt gun um and um but they're also, from my understanding, they're also a lot harder to tune than a bolt gun, uh, oh, especially yeah. you know the the bigger uh, bigger cartridges that you get. So, I'm excited to go down that rabbit hole with uh, with Ryan. Uh, I'm excited to have another instructor on the the team, um, you know, yeah. that helps kind of spread that workload. And then uh, we've got UK next month. I'm I'm yeah. super. I just finished up the uh, the the like our uh, our itinerary slash yeah uh curriculum with for them and uh, andy's like super stoked but it's funny because like i mean we've taught those classes so much but not only our ability to adapt it's hard to actually like write down right like sometimes yeah, so yeah. like it, it like it took me almost like all day to like actually like plan out the plan out the each day because we're not used to that like it, it's just a based off of our flow Right. Or B, or like being able to pivot based off of the uh, proficiency of that specific class, you know, whether mm -hmm. we need to, you know, uh, slow down or speed up with our ability to teach. So that was cool. And then in June, you want to talk about this? Yeah, dude, the, 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 the modern day sniper experience, um, the, the modern day sniper experience guys, like I know people are like, well, what is the experience? Um, it's, it's going to, it's going to be held at, um, at a really nice facility, uh, nail spring ranch. It's in Southern Oregon. Uh, we've been out there for a couple of events. It's a very, very well-run facility. Uh, we're going to have an awesome venue to shoot on and, uh, you know, 
top of the line food accommodations, you know, the whole nine. Right. And, um, it's going to be kind of like a build and blast. And so we are going to start, um, we're going to start talking more heavily about our modern day hunter project that we've been working on with uh, short action customs. But, um, think about this as like, Hey, if you were getting into, if you wanted to get into precision shooting and this is something that, um, you thought was interesting to you and you wanted to do it from the ground up, um, we are facilitating the ability to purchase the parts and components of your rifle, bring them out to nail spring, and we're going to teach you how to put it all together and gather data on it and then train with it. And it's going to also, the experience is also going to incorporate land navigation. Um, we're going to navigate you to specific points where you have to be at a specific time. So that way you can shoot a specific course of fire. There's going to be a lot of um, NRL hunter type blind stage stuff that's happening because the venue out there is, it's super well built for that. And we're going to be doing more stuff out at Nail Spring. And this is kind of the first thing. So um, we've got a few people signed up and I, you know, you guys spread the word, um, look at it. It's at moderndaysniper.com uh, on the events tab. And, um, if you guys want some more information about it, hit me up. And if you guys want more information on the rifle, uh, packages that we're talking about from short action customs, hit us up as well. We're happy to talk to you guys about that. We're going to be kind of doing that like onesies and twosies, um, as they come in, I think for the get go. And, um, uh, it'll be, it'll be like a completely customizable package. So we're looking forward to that. And I'm looking forward to the nail spring experience. We're also going to be doing, um, some more focused efforts on understanding how to perform, um, during stressful events, whether that be hunting, whether that be, um, at a competition or whether that be for a professional end user, there's certain, um, there's certain things that we're going to talk to you guys about at the experience about how to manage your, uh, manage your emotions and manage your, your body and your nervous system. So I think it's going to be a great time and I'm, I'm super looking forward to it. It's going to be a, that, that holistic approach to being a rifleman that we've been talking about pretty much from day one. Man, I'm, ex I'm, ex I'm excited. Um, real quick, uh, before we, uh, take off, I just want to, uh, again, thank all of the listeners and all the supporters from uh, the bottom of my heart because you, you guys, Modern Day Sniper listeners, is why we are where we're at, where Modern Day Sniper is where we're at. So I definitely appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate all of the members inside of the Modern Day Rifleman Network. And that's one thing that like, I cannot stress enough, guys, if you are not a part of it, um, you're you're missing out on a lot of information that I put out there. And, and it took me a while myself to get like used to that platform because it's not as like nice or intuitive as like Facebook or Instagram. But now that we've got like this community built inside of it, I think we're a little over north of 2000 members now, right? Right. Uh, we're, we're north of almost 6,000. Are we? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, Six thousand. So clearly, I haven't checked my numbers lately, but I I know we've been growing rapidly, <laughs> yeah, and that's actually where I've been putting a lot of the videos that like, you know, like don't make the cut for YouTube or just like, you know, professional style content that I feel like I want to push out on Modern Day Sniper or uh, uh, our 
my Instagram page. So there's a lot of, you know, videos that I'll do. It's like, okay, hey, I'm just going to leave this for the modern day rock because it's relevant. It's real. So if you, uh, if you're not a part of the, 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 the network, it's free to join. Uh, we, we post our whiteboard Wednesdays there, uh, which we've started to do, which is a, you know, 10 to 15 minute live talking about a topic and, uh, putting it all on our lovely whiteboard that we love to teach on. So, um, <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, man. This the network good. is growing. It's been, it's growing like crazy. And, um, you know, there's so much information that's being shared in there. It's really cool to see. And, um, yeah, I encourage you guys to check it out if you haven't already done so. And for all of our in-person classes, we got a ton of those coming up this year and, um, hit up uh, moderndaysniper.com on the events tab and you can see our training schedule. We got a few more classes that are going to be posted up for the fall. Um, there's uh, we're going to have some scope carbine offerings. We're going to have more intro to precision rifle because a lot of you guys are, are asking for that. So we are going to provide and, uh, man, honestly, just, you know, to echo Phil, thank you guys for everything. Um, we thank all of our sponsors. We thank all of our, uh, all of our listeners and followers, because like Phil said, man, we wouldn't be able to do what we do without you guys. And, um, that's all, all we want to do is create great content for you guys from that. That's a trusted trust from a trusted source. So that way you guys can have a, the best experience you can as you learn this, this skill, uh, that we call a journey. So man, with that being said, dude, I, that was, that was good to reconnect on the podcast front and, um, I'm, I'm invigorated to do, to do more. Yeah. Hell yeah. Nice studio, by the way. Thanks, man. Thanks. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll show some more with uh, different angles because I built it that way. It's It's been kind of fun. So. Heck yeah. Right on, man. Awesome. A lot of inspiration from you too, dude. So thank you for, for pushing the envelope on that shit and doing all the learning. Absolutely. So. Yeah, man. All right, guys. appreciate you guys listening. And until next time, keep your face on the gun. Right on. Deuces.